tell you what. Whenever I pray and God lays things on my heart to share, it often, if I could paint a mental picture, looks like if you've been to a rummage sale, that box that they're trying to give away of random things, that's how it can feel. And so as I was praying this week, maybe because it was election time, but the Uncle Sam poster of I want you came to my mind. A couple of scriptures weighed heavy on my heart. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. Romans 13, 7. I'll share more about those in a moment. But then the last thing. Wake up at 3 in the morning. And you know what I'm thinking about? SEAL Team 6. Yeah, this is my world. I mean, this is a piece of what goes on. And I, I'm praying. I'm like, God, that's random. But today I wanted to roll with this. I began to read about SEAL Team 6. And I read about a raid that took place in 2011 on the Bin Laden compound. It took two Black Hawk helicopters, 25 SEAL Team members, and it took 40 minutes. Before Jesus left this earth, he gave the Great Commission to a group of volunteers. And look what they did. And so I started reading about this with the SEAL team. What happened on May 2nd of 2011 started much, much earlier. Through intelligence on a military base, this SEAL team built an exact replica of the compound that they were going to go to. And for months, they practiced raiding this through all types of weather, day or night, through all kinds of variables that could go on. They practiced, they practiced, and when they practiced, they came at it the same way they would on game day. And when this happened, here are some things that were true of that. Every member had a role to play. There were pilots that their job was to get the team there. One of the variables that they did not see coming was one of the helicopters crashed on the wall. There was a breaching team that would get them through the walls. There were teams that would lay down cover. There were teams that would go in. There were teams that their primary goal was to neutralize the enemy. And there were teams that they were to take the enemy's intelligence so that they would be able to plan and to thwart future attacks. There was one thing that was true, and they knew this, and it was they needed to complete a mission and leave no man behind at the time of extraction. A time of extraction is coming for us in the church. I don't want to leave anyone behind. It goes something like this from 2 Thessalonians 4, 1 Thessalonians 4, I'm sorry. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That time is coming. As I was reading about these soldiers, these elites, 
it hit me that every single one of them began the same way, that maybe they walked into a recruiter's office, that they signed their name on the line, that they went to basic training just like everyone else, that they started with the rank of E1 as a recruit, but then at some point they dug deeper. The volunteers of this church, the people who give of their heart and of their time to take it forward, you are the elite. You've stepped up. When I was looking at these SEAL teams, there was a saying that they had. The only easy day was yesterday. If that wouldn't preach on its own during this season, I don't know what would. Someone's waiting for you to dig deeper. That verse that was on my heart from Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12, it is he the Lord who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. When you pursue your calling, you activate others to serve. You give them room to start working in the gifts that God has put before them. And it may look like something small, but that's the way that God puts the training wheels on sometimes. That God whispers to people, and he's like, you've got this, now go farther. You've got this. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do, it says in Ephesians 2.10. There are things on a to-do list that God made for you when he was knitting you together in your mother's womb. There are things that were tailor-made for you to do for the kingdom. Oh, and if you don't do them, the kingdom will go forward, but I don't want you to be robbed of the blessing that will come from doing those things that God made you to do. That term workmanship, it came from the same root of the word poem. God's looking out there for the Robert Frost types that will seek the road less traveled, and go for it. He's not looking for the Edgar Allan Poe types that are going to sit down and say, never more, never more, never more. There are places to go. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there's no vision, the people perish. When you serve, others are inspired to activate. There's a young man that I know. It's a law enforcement officer that had a canine, and I was scared of the canine, and he knew that, and so he'd just smile when I'd be around him, and I would say to him, here's the problem. I know there's some code word, and I'm afraid I'm going to sneeze or something and make that sound, and that thing's just going to latch on to me, and he'd just smile because he knew it was true, I think. There is a point of activation. Some of the strongest leadership that the world has ever known, it's come from people that in the moment they made a conscious decision to stay on the wall. We will never stop growing leaders. That's what we say, and let's back that up. It says in Romans 13, 7, to render unto people their due honor to whom honor is due. We pointed out in the first service some of the things that were special. And one of the things that I think needs to be highlighted is that security team. 
if you know me, you know what heritage means. You know what safety means, what peace means. This team has done things over the year. We as a church have gone through some tough times, and yet they never missed a beat. Snow, rain, burning heat, parking cars in mud, doing things when your heart's broken, plan changed, got it. Excellence. And it's not just a bunch of the same people doing it. It's a diverse group of people doing things with excellence and bringing the young ones into it so that they can see how to do things with excellence. That is what leadership does. That's what serving does. That's how you activate people. You let them know you can do this. You've got this. And do it this way. And don't do it the wrong way. Step up, sign on the line, stay the course. That's what excellence does. It says in John 13, 15, I have set an example for you that you should do as I have done for you. The Lord Jesus said that as he's washing feet at a dinner table to show people that it's about doing. Take it past the talk. It's about doing because our actions reflect our heart. 1 Corinthians 13, 31 says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I'm going to give you a couple of things in the next few minutes. And these come from a person who was a seal. And he was asked things that were pieces of advice that he would share. When I read it, I felt all kinds of God. And I read it again, and I pulled some out. The first thing that he shared, if you want to be elite, if you want to be successful, if you want to do things that other people don't do, you need to avoid bad stuff. That's what he said. Because, see, when you're a seal, you are probably the toughest man in the room. And so your mindset is to fight, fight, got to fight. But he's saying your mindset should be to avoid trouble. In James 4, 7, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We don't need to be walking around in a spiritually prideful way just looking to pick a fight because we're going to find trouble. What we need to do is we need to stand. Got the five stones. Got the five stones, got the slingshot, got the staff, got the sandwiches. We need to stand in the way that God tells us to stand. The second thing he says is to be aware. Be aware. It drives the guy crazy because as he goes through his everyday life, he sees all these people who are looking at their phones all the time, looking at things that just distract them. And as some, he's saying situational awareness is so important. And in a spiritual sense, so few people pay attention to their surroundings anymore. The things that are around me, is it going to harm me? And so what is his advice? His advice is to look away from the things that are distracting you and look up. Psalm 121.1, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence come my help. If I learned anything this year from the fish, it is to look up child. Because they played that about six million times this year. But I learned it. Another thing that he had pointed out, 
when it came to resisting the devil, and this is kind of a litmus test for me when it comes to heritage. If you've been around the house of God for any amount of time and you know who the saints of God are, you know who these elders are, then you pick one of them. And you ask yourself, are the things that I'm doing, would I be embarrassed to do in front of them? See, Jesus is always with us. But there are times when I would not want to run into Roberta Yuri or Irma Catron when I'm doing wrong. Because I don't want to break their heart. Litmus test. Avoiding those things. Something that he points out, and this is a great point, identify the moment that matters. There are going to be key moments in life. Oh, we need to be consistent, but there are going to be those for such as time as this moments that come up. One of the toughest things that these SEALs do during their training is that they need to do a practice attack on an enemy ship. And the way this works is they swim two miles in the dark underwater. And they get to this ship, and when they do, it's massive. It blocks out all the light, and they have to do things a certain way. And they call this the darkest part of the mission. And they know the bottom of the boat has this ridge on it, and so they've got to find it. There are going to be times in your spiritual life when you feel like you are treading water, when you feel like you cannot see the light, and you are going to need at that darkest moment to go to that deep place and find what is true, to see it through, to see it through because God has not abandoned you. Something else he says is to visualize success in order to overcome failure. How do they do this? Well, these guys put on their gear and they get in a pool or in some body of water and they're given a complex task to do. And that sounds tough. But then their instructor gets in the water with them and he's slapping them around and he's taking things out of their hand and he's pulling the air thing out of their mouth, snapping their mask. He's but the thing that they said with that was, the ones who would succeed are the ones who would visualize ahead of time how to handle adversity. In this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart because I have overcome the world, it says in John 16, 33. It is one thing to say that God has this on a sunny day, and it's another thing to say it when the rain starts falling. Same God, same God. And I can guarantee that's exactly the mindset that Joseph took when he was sitting in a pit, when he was sitting in a prison, when he was sitting in a palace and he could have been eaten up alive by bitterness of what happened to him. There was a man named Kim Clement. He was a prophet and years ago. He had said, you're somewhere in the future and you look much better than you do right now. And he would repeat it. And he would repeat it. And it would get in your head. And he wasn't saying it in a way like you're going to get a better haircut or something. He's saying it in a way that spiritually God's taking you places. God's taking you places. And we need to have the faith to know that it's coming. That it's coming. I woke up the other night. And the words to that song, see a victory, are just on my heart. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. I love that. What's that noise, devil? What are you making? What are you wasting your time on? Oh, it's not going to prosper, but have fun. Have fun. Make it. Because the God I serve 
knows only how to triumph. The God I serve, he only knows how to triumph. My God will never fail. He will never fail. There are times we just have to whisper that to our heart. Another point this guy brings up is this. This is a tough man who's done some tough things to seek happiness no matter what. What's that look like? It looks like this. During one part of training, they took all the recruits out, and they said, go walk into the ocean. They go walk out in the ocean up to their neck, cold water. And the instructor says to them, you can get out when five of you quit. That's tough. And do you know what happened? I'll read it. The chattering teeth and shivering moans of the trainees were so loud it was hard to hear anything. And then one voice began to echo in the night. One voice raised up in song. The song was terribly out of tune, but it was sung with great enthusiasm. That's me. One voice became two, and two became three, and before long, everyone in that class was singing. We knew that if one man could rise above the misery, then others could as well. If that does not paint a picture of Paul and Silas in the midnight hour, when you are down, be the first one to start singing. Because I guarantee that there are others that are around you that they may be scared to, but someone needs to lift their voice in song to Jesus Christ. Someone needs to be the one to start it off. Somebody will find their bravery in that moment of doing. I'm going to close in a second. Here's his advice. Stick with it. 75% of those elite that go to that training quit. Do not come down off the wall. Don't do it. Don't do it. 75% of the people may do it. Don't you do it. Don't you do it. There is something in training, and it's called a sugar cookie. How many of you like sugar cookies? Anybody? Okay. Well, a sugar cookie looks like this in SEAL training. Your instructor tells you, go run out in the cold ocean, and you do. And he tells you, come back. And when you do, he tells you to roll around in the sand. And he does it in the morning. And here you are looking like a sugar cookie for the rest of the day. And it's not comfortable. And it's embarrassing. And it's not pretty. And there are times that you walk around feeling like the spiritual sugar cookie, like everybody's looking at you, like everybody's laughing at you, like you're the only one. But good Lord, can you imagine the kind of resolve that that would build in that man. Like, you're not going to embarrass me out of here. You're not going to embarrass me out of here, enemy. You're not going to make me think a certain way. The point of that was to show them that though they are uncomfortable, they're, they're discouraged, they can stick with it. They can get through it. Here's something that's pretty odd. Didn't know this. For SEAL training, a lot of it takes place on a beach and you as a civilian could go watch them train. Never knew that. It, like They use high-tech things like a log. They use high-tech things, you know, like normal stuff, and you could watch it. But the truth is this. You could go stand on a beach and watch seals train all day long. 
And at the end of that, that seal could come out of there with a trident as an elite soldier, and you could walk away being a spectator. When it comes to serving in God's house, don't be a spectator. He has such incredible things that he's calling you to, that you can do this. We're on the beach either way. I'd rather come out knowing that I have overcome. There's a quote, and I have read it before, and I will read it again because it gets even better every time I read it. And it comes from the ultra-Christian movie, Rocky Balboa, probably eight. I don't even know which one it is, but it is this quote. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are. It will beat you to your knees, and it'll keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits, not pointing fingers, saying that you aren't where you want to be because of him, her, or anybody. Cowards do that, and that ain't you. You're better than that. I'm always going to love you no matter what, no matter what happens. You're my son and you're my blood. That's good. You're the best thing in my life, but you have to start believing in yourself or you ain't going to have a life. Now hear that through the lens of Jesus Christ. You have been called to do things. You are his blood. You are called. He has defined you, and he is waiting for the very second when you are going to step into his definition of you. He's waiting. The final point here is to persevere. Do you know how SEAL training ends for a lot of people? They get up. They say, I've had enough. And they walk over, and no one gets in their face, and they ring a bell. And that's what signals it. There is an enemy that wants nothing more than to hear you ringing the bell. He will point out all the countless other people that may have rung it before you. Don't give him the honor. In the name of Jesus, there is a calling on your life. There are things that you are called to do in this house, and there are things that we will practice in this house that when we take outside of this house that are going to set the city on I don't even know. I don't even know. I can't even think of the words because anything I would say seems small. What we have seen is nothing in comparison to what God wants to do. Before we pray, I ask you to remember your why this morning. So if you're here and you're serving, well done. Well done. If you're here and on a consistent basis you're not doing something here, we need you. I need you. The body needs you because your gifts are so different than anyone else's. It's time to show the love of Jesus without strings, to let my little light shine, if you will. We need to destroy the 2080 principle, and we need to put to pasture the words in this season. In this season, we go forward. 
that's the only thing that I'm attaching to it. Not in this season, I need rest. Not in this season, I'm backing away. Not it, no, more. More for the kingdom. And when you shine your light, here's the why. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. 1 Peter 2.12. Let them call us what they want, but they will not be able to deny the forgiving power and the love of Jesus that transforms lives. The devil can bark all day long and make all the weapons that he wants, but at the end of the day, it goes nowhere. And we will glorify God. If you will stand, we will pray.